Thanks for joining us today at Springwell Church, where we want to draw spiritually thirsty people to Jesus by loving God, loving each other, and loving the world. We hope that today's message builds you up, gives you a little insight, and helps you find a brand new perspective. You can find us in Taylor, South Carolina, and online at springwell.org. That's springwell.org. Now let's jump into the message. Uh, God designed the world to be, to be colorful, um, to be a place of different kinds of people, people that like different things, people that go different places, people that love and live different lives. And God also created the world to be a place of diversity in color, skin color, um, nationalities. Um, that's the world that, that God created. Um, I think one of the things I love about this church is I love that we're a diverse group of people, that we have people in this room. Somebody told me the other day like 10 countries are represented in this room, usually on a Sunday. Um, but we have people that believe different things. Uh, we have people that are from different backgrounds, different socioeconomic stand- status, different political leanings. We have all different kinds of people in this room today, and that's exactly the way that God made it. You know, I think if you, you're been paying attention to the news at all, you have to realize there's a lot of racial tension around the things that people don't have in common right now, Uh, which is really interesting because we actually scheduled to have this talk in January on July 12th, on today, way before any of the current situation in our world was was going on. But with all of the, the racial tension, I think it's time that the church stood up and led the way in loving thy neighbor. I think it's time that, I think elections are important, go vote. But ultimately, the thing that's going to overcome the tension and the racial divide in our country and in our world today isn't a ballot box, but it's God's people doing what Jesus did when he was on the earth and loving people as they love themselves. And so today, we're going, to have a, we're going to have a conversation. Now, before we get into it, before I introduce our guests to you, they're not guests, they're Springwell people, um, but let me just say that, that we're going to say some stuff that you're not going to agree with. And let me tell you good news, it's okay. Like, I think we live in a culture today where it's impossible to love someone and disagree with them at the same time. It's impossible for me to disagree with your Facebook post and continue scrolling, Right? But I want you to know it's okay if you disagree with what you hear this morning. As a matter of fact, I think that's, that's exactly the point, that we're having a conversation. And even though we may not all know everything from our perspective, when we hear the hearts of other people and we can get into their lives and see things from their lens and how they see the world, I think it changes our ideas and how we see the world as well. So let me introduce a few, um, a few people that you... Um, no. And before I do that, let me just say that my heart behind this is coming from a place of, I was, I was raised in this area have, mo- around mostly white people. And then God saw it fit for me to um, move and go to college. And my wife and I spent the first seven, eight, seven years of our marriage in a small town called Orangeburg, South Carolina. Anybody know where Orangeburg is? If you know anything about Orangeburg, Orangeburg is a very diverse um, and a very racial very tense around racial things kind of city. It always has been. There was something called the Orangeburg Massacre a long time ago. 
And one of the things that God taught me while I was there is that some of the people that I would love the most there, that would make me feel the most like family, didn't have the color of skin that I have. And so it really opened my eyes to see that we're all the same inside. Sure, there's differences, there's colors, there's skin differences, there's cultural differences, but some of the people that are closest to me to this day are people that don't look like me. So I want us to talk about that this morning. I want us to talk about how can we see people for who they really are once we get to know them on the inside. So let me introduce you to some guests. Um, Crystal Cruel, you'll know her. Elijah Neal. Elijah, who just sang. Uh, Kim Carr. And Dan and Jen Kiones. Thank you guys for... Um, Thank y'all for, for being willing to, willing to share. You know, I wanted to have this conversation um, because I think it's, it's really easy for us to look at a group of people that look a certain way and write them off because we don't understand where they're coming from. And one of the problems is, for a lot of us, is that we don't, we don't know any black people. And so when we see a black person, we can't put ourselves in, them shoes because, in their shoes because we don't know what it's like. Um, I think it's really easy for us as, as a white person to, to say, I'm not racist, what's the big deal in all that's going on? When m many of us have something inside our heart, or it can be if we're Hispanic or, or, or black, we can say all white people are this, and it makes it look a certain way when it's, when it's not true. And so that's why I wanted us to, to come and to talk. And let's, let's offer some context for this conversation. Genesis 1.27 says, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So there's no them, there's no they, there's us, right? We're all created in the image of a God who loves people, wanted a colorful world. There's no them, they, there's only us. And so that's what I want to talk about today. So before we dive in, I want to talk about the hardest hitting question. The question that we really came to talk about today. Why do a lot of black people pat their head instead of scratch it? <laughs> We pay a lot of money to get our hair done, and if we scratch it, it's going to mess it up. <laughs> I think that pretty much sums it up. Let's pray. What are, so what are some, for all of us, this is a question for, for anyone, what are some, some moments where racism has, has impacted you? Eli, you got something? So yeah, um, during my senior year at Blue Ridge, um, I was impacted by racism. And this was probably the only time that I've, or the first time I've encountered racism, not only. But um, yeah, so Blue Ridge is a school with the RNA that's like predominantly white and majority of my friends are white and I've always grown up around white people. Um, so I never, I never encounter anything like this, um, really. Um, so it's, Maybe like the kid was maybe in 10th grade and I was a, a senior at the time. And on the way back from lunch, every single day, I would pass him in the hallway and he would just call me the N-word, like ER. Um, and like, I'm a pretty chill person. So I just kind of pushed it off at first. And then it kept getting worse because his uh, friends joined along too. And so they would just walk by and they would laugh about it. And so that's when it started like really like mess with me and make me like pretty angry. Um, so one day I was back on the way back from lunch and I stopped to use the bathroom. 
And so I guess they saw me go in there and they walked in there. Hmm. And um, so they're like all just awkwardly watching me use the restroom, which was very weird. And then. Yeah. <laughs> I don't care what color you are, that's weird. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then, um, so I'm like, I'm trying to hurry up so I can get out of here. And so as I'm leaving, they say it again and they all start laughing. So I walk back in there. I'm like, man, like, why are you doing this? Like, if you're not man enough to say it to my face, then why are you going to say it at all? And they were basically like, no, I didn't. They were basically defending him, saying he didn't say it. I was like, okay, well, I'm not deaf. Like, I, I heard you say it clearly multiple times. And so that was basically kind of the end of the uh, altercation when I spoke to him. But I had never reported it to the school or anything. And someone, I guess someone reported it. And um, he ended up getting in trouble. Um, but... Yeah, that was pretty impactful. It was, it was just out of hatred and it was ignorant. Yeah. And can, can, can anybody speak to why, what? What does how does that word make you make you feel when someone calls you that word? Uh, judged, uh, hated. It's very hurtful. Oppressed. Yeah. Yeah, and it to me it takes me back hundreds of years and so it brings up feelings um like kim said of yeah. hatred mm-hmm. kim did you have a story um yeah um it's probably easier for me to tell you when racism uh does does affect me does not affect me because it affects me almost every day um i'll be 50 years old this year so i've seen a lot Everybody act shocked. We thought it was 30, Kim. I know. (laughs) Yeah, but um, one of the things is the way I am in public. Um, I'm I'm very careful about the things I say, the words I say, how I say something, and also controlling my emotions. Like if I have a moment of anger, I will not let that be shown in public because I don't want to contribute to the Mm -hmm. negative stereotype of the angry black woman or black people are loud and scary. And the only person that really gets to see that side of me is my husband. I love you, baby. God bless you, Dale. (laughs) Well, I I mean, I I, I think that's, I think that's interesting because basically you're, you're having to protect against the stereotype. Yeah. And that's, that's not right. You know, I actually, um, have a story where racism is, is impacted me because I think, you know, it's, it's, it's easy for us to think it just comes from one direction, but I mean, racism lives in, in every color. Um, and so a couple of years ago, I some friends of mine and I were, we were kind of on a road trip. We were headed back and we stopped at a Waffle House. Um, and we walk in, we sit, we actually sat at the counter. There were, there were four of us and, and, and we were with a black guy we sat at the counter. They come, they get his drink order, and then they bring his drink, and they never acknowledge us. It's an it's, it's, uh, entire black staff. They never acknowledge us. And so about five, ten minutes later, the black guy kind of stands up. He says, come on, we're, we're leaving. And on our way out, um, he turns around and he says, y'all just did to them what you've had done to you. And I think what really made me appreciate that that day and what really made me, what, what it made me think about was, am I, it's, it's not just enough to not be racist, yeah. but we want to be anti-racist. 
And what I appreciated about him that day was that he called it out when he saw it. And so, I mean, I think that would be one of my challenges for us today is, you know, you may say I have no racism in my heart, but are you allowing it to happen around you? Um, and, 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 and it comes from, comes from all different directions. Uh, Crystal, you know, we've, you and I have, I guess we've, we've kind of become close over the last few months, Crystal, <laughs> partly because I had to beg you to do this. Um, you said uh, I really never confirmed no, she being never, on stage, when, right? she, <laughs> when she showed up this morning, I said, you never committed, and I wasn't going to ask you to because I was afraid it's going to spook you. Um, so what we have, we, we've, we've talked a lot over the last few months. What have, what have the last few months been like for you? Just in, just in general. Mm, they've been hard, um, heartbreaking. I've felt a lot of different emotions. Um, I've been frustrated and angry that in 2020, we're, as a black people, we're still experiencing the things that we are. Um, when you called me and told me you wanted to do today, told me it had been in your heart all the way back since like November, I think you said. Mm -hmm. um, and it was right after the Ahmad Aubrey video had been um, made public. Oh, yeah. um, and I told you, sadly, there was no shock value that we as blacks had seen so many similar cases. Now, can, can you imagine that? If you, if you haven't seen that video, I, I would encourage you to watch it, honestly. But, and the fact that that's not shocking to someone who's the same skin color. Go ahead, I'm sorry. Right, yeah, I mean, it, was, it certainly broke my heart, but there was no shock value. I, I think the thing that probably was most shocking was he was just jogging. Right, yeah. But to see this over and over again and just to wonder when is it gonna come to an end. Um, but the George Floyd murder, and just, I have to be honest and call it for what I feel it was, it shook me and I cried many, many days. Um, I've tried to be hopeful through it all, um, knowing that love is going to win in the end because God is still on the throne. But there have been days that I felt crazy for feeling hopeful when I turn on the TV and I see another murder or another killing or hangings yeah. again in 2020. So it, it's been really hard. Um, one other thing that's been really hard for me um, is silence um, of friends. I, I consider them friends, right. but it, it just made me question the friendship because of the silence. And I know it's hard sometimes to know what to say, but sometimes yeah. saying nothing. Yeah, and I think that would, be, that would be the thing that I think a lot of us that are, that are white in the room, especially, um, because sometimes the reason why we don't speak up is because we don't know what to say. And we are a little bit afraid we're gonna say the wrong thing. And so I think what I've heard from, from y'all is that basically say something, right? Um, and Kim, you, you've, you've had some people call you, right? Yeah, I had a few of my friends reach out to me through text message or messenger and white friends that said, Kim, I don't know what to say, but know that I love you and I'm sorry about what's going on. And that was enough for me to know that they really are right. my friends. Yeah. So 
don't be afraid to say the wrong thing, but right. say Yeah, and I've had some great conversations as well. Um, actually, a friendship that kind of fell off because of a racist incident years ago. Um, that person reached out to me because I really, I'm not a Facebook person. I feel like I'm a selfish Facebook poster because I go on there, I post something usually about Elijah and then I don't go back. Yeah. But, um, Just like a mama. <laughs> but um, when all of this happened, I just took Facebook as my platform. And so I started posting and posting and posting and posting. And like I said, I hadn't spoken to her in some years and she reached out and we had lunch and we had conversations. She's like, what can I read? What can I do? So I've had some good conversations, but mm -hmm. it's just the silence yeah. of those yeah. that haven't. Dan, how, what have you been thinking over the last few months? Yeah, the last few months have been very moving. Um, I, I was shocked to see the video, you know. Um, and I'm shocked because it's not been my experience, right? As, um, as a Puerto Rican that's light enough skin to, for people to not know what I am, um, it, it's kind of just been whatever. You know, race has just been uh, present but never, never something obvious or, or conscious. I've never really experienced a lot of racism. Um, my experience with police has always been positive. Um, recently, we had a police officer show up at our door and. Um, it was a member of our growth group that brought a dehumidifier for us. You know, it was just, you know, the, the loving relationships with, with people that we've had. So I, I, I haven't had that perspective. Um, but like our, our Guatemala shirt says, you know, don't only look to your own interests, but look to the interests of others. And, and I have been silent and, and even missing a lot of what my neighbors have told me, what my darker skinned family members have told me, hey, Dan, I'm, I'm experiencing this. Um, and it's a reality that some people have to live with that I, I just was not aware of and, and allowed myself to kind of be maybe even silent on that. And uh, so it's been moving um, me towards educating myself, towards reaching out to loved ones, to friends, to, to people to say, hey, um, I, I haven't experienced that, but I see that you have. Yeah, and I think, I mean, I think that's, that's, something, that's something for all of us um, is, is to, to, to check yourself, how is your how is your empathy? Um, what can what what can you do? Um, what kind of conversations can you create? How is check your heart? How how is your heart? Um, I, I I would love to hear this from from the ladies mainly, um, but I know that it's a little different raising. I have a six year old boy. Um, I know it's a little different raising a a child with different color skin than the one that I have. Can y'all talk about that just, just a little bit? We would love to, love to hear your, your thoughts, your experiences. <laughs> Jen, you wanna go first? Um, for us, just uh, raising our kids, um, we want them to be aware of their culture. And uh, they know that daddy's family is from Puerto Rico and mommy's family is from the Dominican Republic. And it was just very important for us for them to know their culture and be proud of uh, where we come from. Um, you know, and I think, you know, they're involved in it every day with the music that we listen to, the food that mm -hmm. we eat, family get togethers. It's just they know um, where they come from. But it's also important for us to raise kids who are respectful and kids who are um, 
welcoming of everyone and not necessarily decide I don't want to be your friend because of differences, mm -hmm. whether it might be their race, whether it might be their skin tone, hair color, eye color, no matter what it is. We don't want our kids to ever look at someone and say, because of that thing that's different about you, I'm better than you. Yeah, and I think, I mean, I think that's a challenge for, for all of us. I have the opinion that, you know, we, we're all born fallen because of the fall of man. But I, I swear racism's taught. Um, and so I think that's a challenge for all of us is are, are you instilling that in your kids, even unknowingly at times, um, to look at people that look different, act different, smell different, and look at them from a different view than you do other people? Kim? Um, well, I tried to shield my kids as much as I could while they were small from racism, mm -hmm. but I know that, knew that I, that I would eventually have to have that sure. conversation with them. So maybe about first, second grade is where it usually starts. And I have to tell them that there are going to be people that don't like you just because of the color of your skin. There's nothing we can do about it. We just pray for those people and try not to be like them. I've had so many experiences while my kids were in school, like my youngest daughter, she, um, somebody told her that her first name sounded too black. So she started telling people to call her by her middle name, which is Ashley. Oh, mercy. Yeah. And well, hello. <laughs> I am and proud. <laughs> and then my son, when he was in middle school, he um, decided to grow his hair out. It was only maybe an inch, inch and a half long. And I kept it braided most of the time, but sometimes he would take it loose and wear it in a little afro to school. So one day he wore it and he came home with a note and the note said that he could not come back to school with his hair in an afro. It had to be either braided down or cut off. Hmm. And it's just really hard having to deal with that type of stuff. And yeah. even like my oldest daughter, when she was in first grade, her teacher would give the class a placement test of some sort. I think it was math. but. For some reason, she didn't want my daughter to take the test, and my daughter cried, and she allowed her to take it. So she, the teacher told me, I don't normally let the kids in your neighborhood take this test because they normally fail it. I'm so surprised that she passed. It's now, just been so much. Racism. And see that, I mean, that's, that's stuff you can't deny. Yeah. Like, I mean, I think, I mean, you just can't deny those, those experiences and that that was what, what, what played into it. Crystal? Um, I'm sorry, just when I hear Kim tell that, it, as a teacher, it breaks my heart. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> it just breaks my heart. Um, as Elijah said earlier, um, he went to a predominantly middle school, high school. Um, we've been at Springwell since he was five, so he's grown up in a predominantly white church, which we love. <laughs> um, so um, his experience has been different, um, but as his mother and raising him, um, I feel like I have to remind him to be aware of his race um, because all of his friends or most of his friends are white. Um, just reminding him of his skin color that when he's out in public that he necessarily can't do all of the same things. Um, and some might say, well, you're teaching him, you know, to 
look at other people a different way or you're teaching him to be racist, but it's just the reality of his skin color is the reality of the world that we live in. Um, and being that he's now driving age, I worry about him just driving and being out and what's gonna happen if he gets pulled over by the police. Um, and knowing that all cops aren't bad. Most cops are great, right. most cops are good, most cops are here to protect and serve us like they should. I always, I always tell people it's a little bit like pastors. <laughs> Y'all tracking with me? There are some really good pastors out there. <laughs> Pastor Scott, is he watching online? <laughs> He's the boss. So. But, but there's, there's some that do embezzle money. There's some that don't really love people. But the, and those are the ones that, that make the news. Right. And it's real. Like those experiences that people have given money to those churches that take advantage of it. Those experiences are real. Right. And like that brings, that comes to my point that it's our reality. Right. So I have it to is. make him aware of our reality. Mm -hmm. yep. And like, up in, I've been driving for what, almost four years? Four years, yeah. Well, three years, I guess. And, um, so, she, was, she was saying how long you've been driving well. You were just saying how long you've been driving. <laughs> well, I mean, when I first started driving, I, I wasn't thinking about that, like thinking about like what if I get pulled over. And I, I can remember the first time I got pulled over. It's actually the only time I've been pulled over. So That's good. Yeah. But, <laughs> but um, I was in the middle of basically no, I was on a back road. Uh, it was like 11 o'clock at night, and I was – I was scared, like, I was really scared, and that was, like, the first time I realized, I was like, this is real, like, and, like, luckily I got, uh, it was a cop we knew, it was, yeah. One of my coworkers has been. Yeah, <laughs> but, um, and I was thankful for that, but, like, I just don't think people really understand, like, how, how it feels to have to fear, like, to get in the car and, like, fear getting pulled over, so. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I mean. You know, and like I said, you can't deny someone's experiences and perceptions. Were you going to say something? Yeah, I was going to talk about, like, how my son, he's 31 years old, and I have told him to not even come visit me because there's always police patrol in our neighborhood, and we've seen some horrible things from the police in our neighborhood. And I'm just scared. I don't want him to fit the description of somebody there. Right. looking for. I don't want his windows to be tinted too dark and that's an excuse to get pulled over. I don't want his music to be tint too loud and that's an excuse, excuse for him to be pulled over. Uh, but he still comes to see me and when he leaves I'm a nervous wreck. I'm like, please let him make it. Can't keep him from mama. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. He loves his mommy. Yeah, I mean, those, those, are, uh, those are real. You know, so let, let's shift a little bit. Uh, walking into somewhere as your race speaking your language. Can you let us in on a little bit of that? Because I know you guys came and talked to our staff and one of the things we thought about was I never have to think about my race when I walk into a place. Can you kind of talk about what that feels like walking into somewhere, speaking your language, um, what that's like? Jen, you wanna go first? Um, I was uh, born and raised in Patterson, New Jersey, which is a culturally diverse city. Um, I had black neighbors, white neighbors, Turkish neighbors, and a wide range of Hispanic neighbors. So for me, I didn't really grow up 
if it makes sense, having to be aware of my race. It wasn't uncommon for me to walk into a grocery store owned by a Turkish family and they even spoke Spanish. It just wasn't something that I really had to be aware of. So in 2009, when we decided to move here to South Carolina so that Dan um, can attend USC to get his law degree, um, we obviously lived in Colombia. And even there, I would say it was diverse, you know, our neighbor was Hispanic, it was a pastor and his wife and their two young children, and then we had our other neighbors to the left, they were a black family, um, and I would say it was pretty diverse. It really wasn't until we moved here to the Greenville-Taylors area that I realized that some might not be okay if I'm speaking Spanish, mm -hmm. and some might not be okay with who I am, um, but I never really let that stop me, only because if I decide to go to a location, it's because I have a task in mind. And especially, I'm a mom of three, so if I have the three kids with me, my focus is getting in, getting the task done. Survival. Exactly, making sure they don't wander off, they stay with me. I'm not really thinking about the people around me and whether or not they're going to be uncomfortable that I'm speaking Spanish. I don't ever do anything or say anything to make somebody uncomfortable. So I just really, do what I do in my, you know, in my normal life. It's, it's almost like, you know, a toddler, you want them to eat all their veggies, but they're not really going to do that. It's not natural. So for me, when I go out and I decide to speak Spanish, it's not malicious. It's just my natural. It's just what I normally do. Yeah, and I mean, I think that's something for, for all of us to, to keep in mind is you can't, as, as white people, we can't get mad at Hispanic black people f for acting and being who they are. And at the same time, you know, obviously, uh, you can't get mad at white people for being white people. You know, <laughs> you, know uh, you, can't, you can't apologize for, for your race. But what we can do is we can all try to understand each other better. Um, I, I'll, did you have something you wanted to say real quick? Yeah, um, so like for me, when I go out in like public with my girlfriend who is white, um, oh yeah, that's good. Um, I like, I. <laughs> I mean, this is good. I mean, yeah. this is good stuff. It's good that you have a girlfriend. <laughs> um, and I've seen her, and she's better looking than you, so that's good. That is true. That is true. Um, well, go ahead. I'm sorry, I interrupted you. Um, I like. Have you ever like felt when like someone's staring at you or whatever? Like, I get that feeling a lot. And with us being like an interracial couple, I've like caught people like staring at us, and it's like really weird when they keep staring at at us. Like after I've seen them staring at us, so um, and it's not even just it's not even just white people. I've caught many black people doing it too. Mm -hmm. They're just like what, yeah. especially with everything that's going on today in the country. I feel like I've noticed it a lot more with people like, like oh wow. Oh yeah, yeah. 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 So, Almost like a how can you associate kind of thing. Yeah, and I don't know, that just really, yeah. it really surprises me. Yeah, I can, I can, I can see that. Um, so we have a, just, a, just a few more minutes. I guess the, the last question I would, I would ask, and I, we hadn't planned this question, I asked it first service, but we hadn't, we hadn't planned it. But like, what is, what is your dream? Like, not to use the terminology from Martin Luther King, but what is, what is your dream? Like, how, how do we end all of this? What is your dream? What does the world look like in your ideal world? 
Um, mainly, I don't want to. I don't want to have to like go out in public and like be stereotyped. I want to just be known as like, not for being Eli the black dude or whatever, like the one black kid. At, like in high school, I was like, oh, that one black kid, Eli. Um, but I don't want to be known as. I just want to be known as like a person. Um, and people not see me for like right. the color of my skin or look at me and be like, oh, he's he do, he's black, so he's got to do this, blah, 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 stuff like that. And I just mainly just want peace. Like I want everybody to love each other for who they are and not their skin color. Did you and did y'all get that? Like, this is a young, young black man and his dream is just peace. Like just let's, let's, let's love. Um, Let's love each other. John 17, Jesus kind of had this same, I guess, thought about disunity and unity. And this is what he prayed in John 17. Jesus said, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so, the world, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved, th and have loved them even as you have loved me. The thought that keeps going through my mind and has over the last few months is that a divided world needs a unified church. A divided world needs a unified church. You see, the only thing that is going to fix this is the church. This is not a political discussion. This is a gospel discussion. This is not about politics. This is not about a phrasing. This is not about anything in culture, but this is about the gospel, and it's about the church, and we have to be a church that doesn't avoid these things, but that leads the way in these things and puts a stake down and says, no, I am going to love as Jesus loved. Do you realize that Jesus always stood up for the people that were pushed down? Always. You look throughout scripture, always Jesus stood up for the people that culture put down. It's time for us to do the same. A divided world needs a unified church. It's not about what news outlets you get your news from because they're all wrong and they just want to feed you fear. But it's about us as the church doing what we're called to do. Even if you're not a believer in this room, my challenge would be just be a good person and treat the person beside you like you would treat a family member. Jesus said in John 13, 34, a new command I give you love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. Kim is my one another. Eli is my one another. Melissa, my wife, is my one another. Kirby is my one another. Love one another. So I want to give us three action steps. And if you have something to write down, write with, I want you to write these down. 
three action steps, three things we can take away. Because if we just have a discussion and check the box and say we had a racial discussion to make some, some white people happy and some black people happy, we have failed today. But we want unity. We want change. And it's not going to be from a legislation. It's not going to be from putting anything up or tearing anything down. It's going to come from us. And so these are the three action steps. Number one, check your heart. Do you have those little things at the deep down in your heart? Not the overt kind of racism, like the KKK hood-wearing racism, but do you have the racism that privately says, yeah, they probably did it. Check your heart. Do you have parts in there that maybe you've just never acknowledged? Maybe you were raised that way, and I totally get that. It's one thing to be raised that way. It's a different thing to be okay with staying that way. So check your heart. The second one, seek understanding and unity. Are you okay with your presuppositions to be challenged? With what you've always assumed or always been taught, are you okay with having a discussion with somebody and it being challenged and changed? And number three, be intentional. Befriend someone that doesn't look like you. And I'm not talking about, yeah, I have a black friend because I work with a black guy at, at, at my work. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about really intentional with developing friendships with someone who doesn't look like you. I'm not talking about the, the waiter at the Mexican restaurant. I'm talking about who do you really know that doesn't look like you? Because when you begin to know, when I begin to hear someone's fears, or when I begin to, to hear someone's dreams, or when I begin to hear someone's upbringing and the things, the way they're upbringing their, their own kids, when I begin to hear that, something changes in my heart because no longer is that face that doesn't look like mine just a face. But I see it through the eyes of someone I know. Anytime I see a, a black lady, I, I see it through the eyes of Kim or a, a black young guy. I see it through the eyes of Eli, and all of a sudden those presuppositions begin to change because I know Eli, he wouldn't hurt a fly. You know? Check your heart, seek understanding, and be intentional. We are the church. If you're a believer in Jesus in this room, love thy neighbor. That's how you start a move. With every head bowed and every eye closed, just for a moment, for some of us in this room, the first step towards really loving others is realizing that God loves you. And you've never accepted Jesus, and you're in this room, and you have never accepted Christ. That is your first step. One of the reasons why you can't look at other people through his lens is because you don't have a relationship with him. If you feel like you need to accept Jesus this morning, just say this prayer in your heart. Say, Jesus, I've messed up but I know there's something missing and I believe it's you. Teach me to love you. Teach me to love other people. I believe, Jesus, you came to earth, you died and you rose. And I put my trust in you. Teach me what that means. Teach me how to walk with you. In Jesus' name. For the rest of us, I just want to end by praying that things would change. That not a, an agenda would get pushed or anything like that, but that things would change, like really. And the way that happens is it happens with me first. 
So let me just pray. Let me pray for us as a church. Um, as we begin to unify, hopefully we'll become more diverse. You see, that's, that's one of the, the things at play here is we want a diverse church because in order to reach every group of people, we need people in those groups of people. So I want to pray for us as a church. And I want to pray for you. And I want to pray for our country. God, thank you so much for these people gathered around the table today. God, thank you so much for their hearts to be, that are willing to be opened up. God, thank you for the people that have listened. And God, thank you um, for their willingness to engage in discussion. God, I do pray. Lord, as Jesus prayed in John 17, that we would be one. God, you've created us uniquely. God, help for us to humble ourselves, to check our own heart. God, for it to start with me. And God, for us to bring unity into a country that desperately needs it. For us to bring love into a world that desperately needs Jesus. God, for us to lead the way in loving our neighbor. God, thank you for what you're going to do after this conversation. This is just the beginning. God, help for us to see, open our eyes, to see people differently, to love people, to be willing to open up to discussions, to be, be willing to say something. In Jesus' name, amen.